the people were filled with expectation. Expectation. John the Baptist did not quell those expectations either, did he? Even though he knew full well that he was not the Christ who they were waiting for. No, he didn't quell their expectations or tell them to cut it out. No, he fanned those expectations into flame, didn't he? He said, no, I'm not the one you're looking for. I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist stirs up the people's expectation. He expands it. He deepens it. He helps them to realize that maybe their expectations up to this point have been too low. And so he says, no, think better. Think higher. There's someone even more amazing coming. And then lo and behold, he does come. And Jesus himself is baptized by John the Baptist. And after he was baptized... After he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form. A manifestation of the Spirit, a tangible sign of Jesus' unique place as Son in the Most Holy Trinity. The people's expectations were too low. And John rightly says, look higher. Wait for the one who is going to open heaven, the one who is going to do even better things, even more mighty things, magnificent things, more overwhelming things. What sorts of things, you may ask? Well, in our first reading today, the prophet Isaiah foretold what sorts of things, what sorts of signs and wonders we might reasonably expect from the coming Messiah. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one with whom I am pleased, upon whom I have put my spirit. I formed you and set you as a covenant of the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from confinement, and from the dungeon those who live in darkness. That's exactly what Jesus did. That's what he was all about as he traveled all around the Holy Land during his public ministry. He preached the truths of the gospel, yes, but it wasn't just talk, was it? He revealed the power of God. This is precisely what St. Peter testifies to in our second reading from the Acts of the Apostles this morning. You know what has happened all over Judea, he says beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And then after that happened, after this anointing of the Holy Spirit, Peter says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all those oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. If that is true, if Jesus really did those things once upon a time, if he really opened the eyes of the blind, if he really 
helped the deaf to hear, if he really brought prisoners out of isolation and out of shame, if he really cast out demons and set people free from darkness, then what about now? Does he still do those things? If we don't see those things happening, or if we might be really shocked if they did start to happen, then I have to wonder this morning, do we have too low of expectations? Do we, somewhere in our hearts, not expect the Holy Spirit of power and fire to show up in our day and age? Because God is real. He is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. In fact, he's living in you. By your baptism into the waters of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, something happened to you. The Father has spoken over you from a wide open heaven. This is my beloved. You have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. So don't lower your expectations. Trust in that baptism. Trust in that anointing. Something the Lord has been leading me to think more deeply about and has helped me to realize in my own prayer is that my expectations have been way too low. It's almost as if I think that God is sort of stingy nowadays, that he doesn't want to pour out an anointing of the Holy Spirit and power upon us here and now. That somehow things are different today. That miracles don't happen anymore. That healings don't happen anymore. That conversions don't happen anymore. That the supernatural does not happen anymore. But open any page of the Acts of the Apostles and you will see that the first disciples knew that Jesus was still active in them. They knew and expected that Jesus was alive and could still do all of those amazing things. How? How could he do this? By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. The disciples did exactly what Jesus did in his public ministry. They healed people. They cast out devils. People were raised from the dead even. And that's real history. That is real history. Do we believe that? Because I think that is what the Lord is still asking of us today. He is encouraging us not to over-spiritualize or demythologize those historical accounts. He's inviting us to expect those sorts of things to start happening in our parishes in our families, in our daily life. But sometimes I think we're a little too sleepy. We're a little too sleepy. And we're not awake to the workings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Are we limiting him by our low expectations? There's a line in the brand new Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, where the character MJ tells her boyfriend, who's Spider-Man, Uh, Peter Parker, spoiler alert, that if you always expect disappointment, then you can never be disappointed. If If you expect disappointment, 
then you will never be disappointed. How sad that attitude is. But I think that's exactly how we tend to approach the Holy Spirit today. If we expect disappointment, then we can never be disappointed by him. If we lower our expectations, then we won't ever be frustrated by the lack of results. We won't ever be hurt when our loved one isn't healed, when the conversion that we want does not come, or when it simply is not in God's providential plan to work the miracle that we thought we wanted or that we thought we needed. I know that that's where I've been. I tend to expect very little from the living God, probably because I'm afraid that the Spirit will not be so powerful after all. Sometimes when I go into hospital rooms, when I'm bringing the anointing of the sick to to sick people, I know that somewhere in my heart I don't expect enough. Sure, I believe that Jesus is there. I believe that he is the one who is anointing that sick person. I believe that he is able to give that person whatever graces they need for the salvation of their soul. But I still have to ask myself, am I expecting too little? What if I, as a priest of God, expected that some people would be physically healed through this sacrament? Because that is a very real possibility. If you look at everything that the church teaches about the anointing of the sick, it is not just about emotional comfort. This sacrament is a sacrament of healing, of soul, yes. But we have to be open to and perhaps even expect that physical bodily healings may actually happen if it is according to God's good and perfect design. We come and celebrate the Eucharist every single Sunday, perhaps every single day. We dare to expect that somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bread and wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. I happen to think that it is a much smaller thing for the Holy Spirit to do something like curing someone or casting out a devil that has been oppressing someone with anxiety, lack of forgiveness, bitterness, or resentment. Those are much smaller things in the grand scheme of things than the Holy Eucharist being confected on our altars. God himself making himself accessible to us under the appearance of bread and wine. So I guess what I'm trying to encourage everyone here to do is expect more from God. Expect more from him. Expect the Holy Spirit to show up in your life. The early church frequently spoke of the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. Have you ever heard this before? The wild goose. I wonder, have we tried to tame the wild goose? Have we done our best to make the goose powerless today. I say, set the goose loose. Allow him to do whatever he really wants to do. Because that's what Jesus did. He showed himself to be so free in his ministry because he was totally surrendered to the wild goose. He was abandoned to the constantly surprising and beautiful spirit 
who blows wherever he wills. Now, this would require us to have great faith because I don't know about you, but we, I, really like to control things. I prefer to know what the Holy Spirit is getting me into, which way he is blowing. But the deeper invitation is to simply reach out and expect him to show up. The story of the hemorrhaging woman comes to mind immediately. She had great expectational faith. Remember, everyone was pressing in on Jesus, right? Everyone was pushing in, crowding around. He could barely even move. And yet, that one woman reached out and said, I'm going to expect, I'm going to expect what God can actually do. I'm going to even dare to expect a healing, that power will come forth from Jesus. And sure enough, the bleeding stopped. And Jesus spun around saying, who touched me? Power has gone out from me. That woman got a little taste of what it means for God to show up powerfully in her life. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that everyone will or needs to experience a dramatic or miraculous healing. And of course, God absolutely does work through all sorts of natural means. Medicine, doctors, nurses, psychologists, these are all good and necessary. But I wonder, if, what if we as Christians, dead to sin, alive in Christ, started to claim that the Lord is real and alive, that he is supernaturally active today. What if we expected even more to be possible? This world needs our expectation. People all around us need us to be just like those first disciples from the Acts of the Apostles, empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that anointed the Lord Jesus in the River Jordan. They need you to be nourished right here in the Eucharist and then go out onto the streets to be anointed ones out there, to be Christians. That's what it means to be a Christian. The word Christ means anointed one. We are Christians, anointed ones. We live in Jesus, and Jesus lives in us. By our baptism, we have become members of his body, the church, adopted children of God, temples of the Holy Spirit, other Christs. We, too, have been anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. That is who fills us. So don't be afraid to expect amazing things from the Holy Spirit living in you. The next time someone tells you, you know, I'm going in for surgery and I'm feeling very nervous, offer to pray for them, not like when you walk away. Offer to pray for them right there. Trust in the Holy Spirit that he will give you the right words to do that. Ask for the Lord's will to be done, even if it is his will, a tangible physical healing. The next time someone tells you, man, my kid does not want to go to church anymore. They hate God. What do I do? Say to them, let's pray right now. Let's pray together 
in the Holy Spirit right this second and ask for a conversion. Ask the Holy Spirit to somehow break into that person's life and do something new. Show up. Expect the Spirit to move. Expect freedom from addiction. Expect vocations to the priesthood. Expect vocations to the women religious life. I want to fan into flame your expectation because God is good and he is a father who wants to share his abundance and generosity with each one of us. He will not hand us a stone when we ask for bread. He wants to give us all the things that are most necessary for us and for the salvation of our body and soul. And so we entrust ourselves to him and ask him for what we truly need. I, for one, am convinced that the Holy Spirit is moving right here in you. I expect the Holy Spirit to still be falling, still descending upon us, upon the people of St. Andrews. I am filled with expectation that heaven is still open. 